what he said was totally tongue in cheek. No, it, the hell no, it wasn't. Yeah, it he's, was. He's not smart enough to be to do tongue in cheek like that. This is L.A. Kings Fan Talk with your boys Rodney, Rob, Darren, and Joe. What's up, Kings fans? Welcome to another show. Well, the Kings took the Oilers the distance, but fell short in Game 7. Darren, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on the series? I mean, if you had told me coming into the season or whatever we'd take a playoff series to seven games, I'd be pretty happy uh, the way it ended up. I was a little disappointed with the fact that we had two chances to win the series and couldn't close it out. But, I mean, it was short-term disappointment, long-term, you know, I'll be, I'll get over it, so. Joe, what'd you think? Yeah, obviously we wanted to win. Um, when the Kings won game five, I was somewhat anxious to uh, see them win in game six so that we could come do this podcast and, uh, and uh, I could uh, savor my uh, right per- prediction, but things happen, and uh, we got beat by the better team. Rob, what do you think? Hold on, I'm a, sorry, Rob. We got beat by the better player. <laughs> True that. Um, just disappointed to be that close. You said after winning Game Five at home thought we actually had it when we came back tied it up 2-2 we had the momentum we had the momentum after we tied it up and i thought here it is um part of our text thread some negative energy came over our text thread right after we tied it and i'm blaming that i'm blaming that on the whole series i don't want to call the guy's name out who was on the text thread, but they threw a little jab at me personally about Dano. And it's like, whoa, why are you, why are you calling him the greatest signing ever? We haven't won anything yet. It's only, you know, and he goes, I just had to throw the jab and that negative energy carried the rest of the game. We lose the game. We go to Edmonton. We lose it in game seven. It's all his fault. I got to go back and look at this thread because I don't remember who put that. I, I have a couple guesses, but I'll go back and check. So I just, I it's like I said, I, I really thought we had it game six when we tied it up. I was, I was just going to be so happy. And like I said, there's a lot of major Twitter accounts that I was going to get banned from because I was going to troll them all. But because we lost... You have to just you have to swallow it. You have to swallow the pride and sit there and accept what reality is. And like Joe said, we lost to the better team. We lost to the better player. Um, they beat us. They outplayed us in Game Seven when it really, really mattered. And there was nothing we could do about it. Um, Let me chime in real quick, just because I somewhat disagree with you, Rob, about the Game 6 situation. I was optimistic when they came back. Obviously, you wouldn't be. But that whole game, which basically transferred over to Game 7, 
just started out with nobody could connect two passes or a single pass. And so when they tied it up, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe Edmonton will cave in. But um, I think the the Kings, like, really, like, they did lose to the better team because the better team wins. That's how it goes. But they they had it in their hands and and uh, so they beat they beat themselves. I, I just think they played two games where you know you could tell there was a lot of white knuckles clutching sticks. Uh, you know, uh, wasn't the the team that showed up and won the uh, the th- three games that they did win? Put it that way. Um, they weren't. They weren't horrible in game seven but game six i just thought like it started off bad and just snowballed from there but they gave themselves an opportunity to win which they did not do in game seven so, right and that and that that's you're, you're saying you're disagreeing and you're I, I feel like you're almost saying kind of what i'm saying it started off bad game six but when you come back and you grab the momentum and you tie it up and you're in the third period tied to two the game's there for the winning um, I don't I'm think we. What, I, I don't think we had a chance in Game Seven. I they they completely dominated us in Game Seven. Yeah. Right now, and I was at Game Six, and and that was probably the loudest the crowd has been uh, in a very long time. And you could feel it every one when, when they tied it up. Everybody's like, "Here, here it comes. We're going to do it, right?" And uh, the Oilers fans were getting ready to bounce early. You could see them getting ready to bounce out of there, but. Man, it sucks. It sucks because I was able to see Dustin Brown's last game, but it was a playoff loss, so bittersweet. Um, after the game, McClellan made some comments, and he, he spoke a little bit about the experience gained means, means nothing unless you know what to do with the experience. And I couldn't agree more with that statement, too, because – the experience I think that we have right now is a losing experience. So I don't, I don't want to be experienced in losing playoffs series in seven games. I mean, that's that's not something that's I thing. want to get good at, right? We right. want to be able to take the experience, see what it takes, understand there's got to be another level, and there's quite a few guys that have to raise their game if we're going to win playoff series moving forward. So I, I really hope the players, when he said that, I hope they, they understand and take it to heart. And there's work to do because those, some of the young guys, they they were, they were deers in headlights and overmatched, and they, they better understand what what it is. For well, sure, they did, they did come back after getting shelled two games in a row and put up two really really good efforts. So, yeah. you know, I know you know uh, uh, moral victories are. are somewhat meaningless but it says something about the the players there you know um so give give, you know give them that uh it's unfortunate that they had them on the on the ropes and and uh you know couldn't uh give them the final final shot let them off the hook yep (laughs) (laughs) hey hey your boy grunstrom he did good though joe he i think he might have solidified his spot next season based on his playoff performance which is if if that's the case is really ridiculous because uh he played that way all season and but hey uh credit to him for showing up in a couple of big moments and 
yeah, I can only hope. Uh, at this point, if you're going to get rid of players uh, and you get rid of him over some of the people that are underperforming, uh, yeah, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be regrettable, I think. Two, two words for Carl Gunstrom. Power forward. He, he, he's it. He's, he's going to take, he can take Dustin Brown's spot. Now that Dustin Brown's gone, I think he could fill in that spot. A guy that's going to go out there, throw his body around, play tough, get around the net, put some goals in. He, he yeah. has the skill. He's, he's proved it all season. Like you said, Joe, right. I think, I think he's got less skill or sorry, more skill than Brown, but you know, less of the physicality, but still he's a bigger, bigger guy, at least yeah. from visual appearances. I don't know if that's accurate, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't hate to be like Don Cherry and be like talk about soft euros and stuff. Like that guy is like not what you would consider your stereotypical European player, like with the flash and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's a Viking. He, he just <laughs> he just brings it like everything. He's, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not like I'm not a player guy, but I do like him as a player. So yeah. Yeah. that's what this podcast is for, Joe. It's to sit here and be a fan and be a fan of whomever you want to be a fan of and for any reason. So. Well, I'm a yeah. Grunstrom fan. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of look like Grunstrom a little, a little bit. A little bit. A little, little, little age progression going on. Yeah, but you, yeah. You, you look like a Viking yourself. <laughs> S- similar complexion. Yeah. <laughs> More gray hair. <laughs> uh, is there anybody you're disappointed in as far as... Uh, individually on the kings i don't think like uh it's it's hard i don't think disappointment is the right word but i think it sucks that byfield only got three games like i I, i'm surprised he didn't get in one more game i know we were winning towards the end there but the he's one of the guys who we need to get some playoff experience put him out there and you know i don't think he made i don't remember too many glaring mistakes but you know, he also was among that fourth line that only played seven, eight minutes a night when he did play. So it'd be nice to see him get out there. But I don't think it's a disappointment. Like, I don't think he, you know, I think it just sucks he didn't get more time out there. I don't know. He still kind of looked a little deer in headlights to me. Yeah. In, in, but I think it's, class. I think it's, it's not so much to be a disappointment. You know what I mean? Because, like, he's still young. Like, you expect that a little bit. But, like, it sucks he only got three games out of a seven-game series. I was hoping to see more out of Velarde too, after the way he finished the season. True. But didn't really make an impact at all in the short amount of time he was in. Yeah, I don't think either of those guys deserve to be in the lineup. So, I, you know, I, I would say, like, I wasn't really disappointed at anybody. It was um, – it, it, for me, it's, like, all positives. Like, there was nobody that – like shit the bed put it that way i mean wait joe 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 let me guess you wanted to roll seven defensemen and roll grunstrom on two lines right absolutely not (laughs) um which yeah we'll probably talk about edmonton later but um they're basically an nba team like they're assembled like an nba team they got two really good players that do all the heavy lifting but back to the kings um, like if there was a disappointment, say Lemieux, just just he scored a huge goal. So and he was also not given very much ice time. But the time he was out there, you expect him to wreak havoc and you know create a storm. And I thought 
Cassian uh, did a way better job of that uh, from the Edmonton perspective. And, um, you know, uh, you know, th- those are things all within his control. He could have gone and whacked people in the back of the leg every time there's a scrum from the net, just like Cassian did. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't know that that would have won any games for the Kings, but um, I think he, I think he played a lot. Like he was, he didn't want to get on the wrong side of McClellan. He wanted to stay. Probably. probably. He, he didn't want to push the envelope and get pulled out of the lineup for, taking a bad penalty or didn't want to be the reason we lost because he took the bad right. penalty right i think there was a lot of players in that position so 100%. yeah but but yeah i agree with you 100 percent. like I, I think it's one of those things where like you want him to have the confidence to just like go like you're not going to get yanked if you you know you, you can't take too many bad penalties but you know if you take one stupid penalty and learn from it but you're going to play right to the line every time that's fine what did you guys think about Dursey and Anderson? I thought Anderson did good at the beginning of the series. Kind of, uh, you know, I think they started to really target him towards the end of the series, and I think that kind of had an, had an impact. But, I mean, it really, like, when you look at, like, the, the way that Edmonton won their games, they won their games because they have the best player in the world. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And that's what I was saying earlier. If you watch, the, I was watching the first period of the Edmonton, or sorry, the Colorado-St. Louis series, those are teams. Those are not, you don't, it's not McKinnon winning the game. It, you got three, four lines rolling that are just wreaking havoc, the speed of it and whatnot. So um, not to shit on Edmonton, but I, they're not going anywhere when you look at that, which is why I knew this was the Kings version of the Stanley Cup for, for 2022 was just to beat the Oilers. Right. And we took like seven, seven games. So um, I think we can, pat ourselves on the back or feel somewhat good about that. Uh, Edmonton, on the other hand, uh, they were expected to roll over the Kings and that didn't happen. So, What do you think, Rob? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to sit here and, and, and pick on Anderson and Dursey because the effort was there. But when you're putting in effort against God's gift – Right. I mean, it's just sickening. He's sickening the way he plays. He's just so damn good. So uh, am I pissed that they were both minus five as a, a defensive parent, you know, for this for a series? I'm, or are we happy that they weren't minus 10? Right. You know, it, they probably would have been if Deneau wasn't playing against them so much. Um, you know, Kopi struggled, obviously, because he got matched up a lot out there with them and he got tired he looked he, tired uh, oh. towards, the end, towards the end of the series he was good like the first few games but yeah he ran out of gas you could I'll, tell. I'll tell you where it kind of turned a little bit when when nurse got suspended i i had the thought of shoot i, I don't necessarily want him out of the lineup because he's part of the chaos that kind of had that leads to them not playing very good hockey you know, he's he, when he's willy nilly and, and taking dumb penalties or just trying to do things that I don't think he has the skill set to do. I thought we capitalized. He was one of the people that we kind of picked on a little bit that kind of turned some games around for us. And when he, they in that game six, they played some good defense. Like it seemed it seemed McDavid decided, oh, sh- shit, I got to 
I got to pick up my back checking. I got to start playing a little better here. Hold on to the puck. You know, best best deep. You know, they can't play offense if I have the puck. You started checking when, checking some people actually. I was like, yeah, oh. it, yeah. And so when he came out, and I don't know if I don't know if I'm just imagining that, but it seems they actually played a little better in Game Six without Nurse, and then moving into Game Seven, they go, ooh, let's keep that formula. And maybe get nurse to figure the f- out, and yeah, and they they and like I said, I th- I think that we got kind of pushed around in seven, just a little a little embarrassing, but you, you could definitely tell that like I think after game three, Edmonton was kind of like, oh, this is going to be an easy series, so like they kind of were willing to play that open style, and I think after they lost four and five, they they realized like no, Uh-oh. if we we can play the Kings bet game better than the Kings because we have ninety seven. Like if we just play low event hockey, of course, and, yeah, and you have the best player in the world, like you guys have said, like when you have when you have a guy who's going to convert one out of what five chances he gets probably or more, and you limit the number of chances both teams are getting, you're going to win those games. So like, if, why the hell were we so bad in the faceoff circle? We've been so good all year. Yeah, our top faceoff guys were not looking good. I did not get. I think it. we were we were. In that game six and seven, we were really bad, right? I think the only like guy him. winning faceoffs for us was a Kupari, who's not even yeah. normally a good faceoff yeah. guy. It's really weird, and it's and that's important, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, especially against the yeah. Oilers, yeah. puck possession yeah. team. Especially for our team, which is that kind of team where it's grinded out. We need that possession to start. We don't get the puck very well. What do you guys think about the? Middle guys, the guys that had been in for four or five years. I have follow Kempe. You guys think they did okay, or a little disappointed there with either one of those two? I think uh, for Kempe, you wish he had been a little bit more consistent. I know he had that what three point game in game five, but it's like he had what five points in the series or something six. like that. Six, six, yeah. So, so half like, of them were in that one game, right? And so it's like you would wish he would, you know, get a couple more points throughout the series. Not not that he's gonna match McDavid or Drysaddle, but if he can match Kane, you know what I mean. Like we probably win that series. But um, as far as I follow, I think he was hurt because I think that's why he got demoted to the fourth line. You think he's one he, of those separated shoulder guys? Yeah, hundred percent. Because in his post uh, season interview thing, he said like his shoulder was the only thing that was bugging him. Because in like when that series is going on, I'm like, all right, let's trade I follow. I was done with him. Just got nothing out of them. I'm like, these rookies are coming up, outplaying them. I don't know. That was just me. I don't know what you yeah. guys think. He he may be a, a salary cap casualty kind of guy if we're going to make a move for some big names. Like, he may be the guy who we move with some of the kids. So, Well, I, I'm not going to I don't want to turn this into why we lost. No. Kind of pick on who didn't score because there's a ton of people that didn't score and i think there's lots of excuses of why you know so i th- i think we're just going to s- spin our tires but dano and grunstrom if they're your two leading scorers in in the series you know that means a lot of people didn't step up because dano i don't care what people are saying about his offensive upside blah 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 he came here he came here to be a shut down second line center he shouldn't be leading us in goals scored. Right. Tied with Carl Grunstrom, who who played 14 minutes a game. 
you know, he's not a Grunstrom wasn't a first second line guy for us. And those are our two guys that scored three goals apiece. Um, I would have liked to have seen Kempe score four goals. I would like to have seen Trevor Moore score four goals. You know, I would like to have seen Kopitar score. You know, but Kopitar can't score if he's chasing McDavid every single minute of the game. Right. It's it's just so hard to. So that's why I'm saying I don't want to bitch and complain about it because it's it's like uh in the movie Airplane when when the that little kid kept bugging about Kareem Abdul Jabbar. <laughs> he says, "Hey, you tell your dad to drag Bill Walton up and down the the court for thirty minutes. See how good he does." You know. Airplane, what is that? Like an old black and white movie? What is it? Yeah, it is. I just (laughs) dated myself, right? Um, No, I think like we're all kind of beating around the bush here. uh, And excuse another catchphrase, uh, the elephant in the room here. It's the power play. Like if the Kings, if the Kings would have scored a power play goal on uh, game, what, six, they would have won the series, right? I think, from my recollection. Um, So that, but that's not surprising. But that's when you start pointing fingers in every direction. So, um, and that's not an individual effort. It's a team and a coaching effort. And uh, that really could have been the difference in the series. Particularly even like game seven, from my recollection too, because they were only down one nothing and they had opportunities and they could not not bury one. So, you know, if they got a goal on a power play and they had it tied, you know, uh, who knows what happens, but like that's really like the root of it. Like the Kings could only get their goals from five on five, and uh, you know if if you know Kepi doesn't, you know the two guys were, we were talking about before. Um, you know if Iafal is hurt, whatever that's that's a legitimate reason why. But um, but regardless, uh, five on five, you can't expect like guys to just like produce overwhelmingly. Like, at least not those guys. Like maybe Kepi more than Iafalo. Um, you need uh, you need some help, a boost from the from the special teams. I think the other thing too is like uh, Edmonton kind of started gooning it up towards game four and five, and I think it was because they were not afraid of our power play. They were like, Correct. "You're not going to make us pay for it, so we're just going to cross check you in the back." Like, what does it matter? You're going to spend two minutes and passing around the zone, and that'll be and, the difference for them next series when they're playing oh, the yeah. Flames. When Cassian, Kachuk actually pushes Cass- him, punches him in the face. Okay, no, it'll be Lucci. Cassian will yeah. not go around running people into the boards. And that was his sole purpose. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hit five yeah. times on this on this one. What about how many times? I don't know how much you were paying attention to him, but how many times did that guy whack somebody in the back on uh, the calf? No in call. A scrum? Like just no call, but it's just blatant. Like, it, and like, and no, and none of our guys did anything about it. And that's and that's what exactly what I'm saying. It's and it's what Darren is saying. He he can because even if he does get called, which he wasn't getting called, yeah, if he true. gets called, okay. their Kings are going to score anyway. So what are they going to do about? It? They don't. They can't do anything on the power play, and they don't have any tough guy to come and, and tell me to stop. Next series again, Lucic Lucic will put a stop to that. For oh, them. for sure. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. Even Kachuk, as much as I hate him, like Kachuk will just do it dirtier. Oh, no, I'm trying to say, yeah, he'll 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 be the guy whacking somebody in the back of the legs, yeah, and they, let somebody answer the bell for him, unless it's somebody that's smaller than him. Then Calgary maybe he will. Calgary definitely won't take as much shit as the Kings did, and and even if they do, they'll actually score on the power play. So, and and if we got any uh, Edmonton fans that are going to actually take a look at this, whatever, um, 
to be honest with you, if if you end up beating the Flames, I, I'll I'll root for you being a Pacific Division. It'd be nice to see the Pacific Division represented in the in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know. But I'm still ho- holding true to finals. what's they're that? Their conference finals. There's no way they're getting into the Stanley Cup. There's no way. <laughs> I don't care. I'll bet any Edmonton fan that's watching this, whatever sum of money that I can afford. Tell them. Tell them at you on your, at your Twitter handle. At I don't have Twitter, so well, that's convenient. No, just respond on respond on the comments down below. There you go. Yeah, and uh, I'll try to. I don't know if you can send messages through YouTube or whatnot, but I'll post my email address there if somebody actually responds. <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers are not making the Stanley Cup Finals or winning the Stanley Cup this year. Guarantee it. And that's not because that's not being a hater. You can probably just say the first thing. part without the second part. But. Well, <laughs> all right, fair enough. I don't know if somebody wants to get wild. They're either not doing this or they're not doing that. Okay. <laughs> right. You know what? There was so, a lot of positives, though, like as far as some players. Like I thought, other than that one time Roy got beat pretty bad, he looked, he was solid all series. I thought Stetcher, when he got put in there, stepped up. Who, who saw that coming? Obviously, yeah. He, quick. Those are layups to say that he did yeah. good. And a quick back to his old self, you know. Yeah, that's really you know, kind of uh, flying under the radar there. Like, you know, they were talking about stats. Like, uh, I don't know if it was Pitt and Chicklets guys or whoever was talking about stats. They're like, Quick's got an 80 save percentage. I'm like, well, yeah, you're factoring in like two blowout losses and whatnot. Like, that's the thing is, like, John Quick's never had like a big, like, you know, the greatest save percentage. It Like, it's all about the eye test. Like, the guy makes saves when it matters the most. I mean, the Kings get shelled in some of those games. And he's standing on his head. Like, I think game seven, I made a joke to uh, Adriana's cousin. Like, you know, he's new to hockey. I'm like, did you see him right there? He was break dancing. Like, he literally, like, spun around in, like, a ninja kick, like, uh, on a, you know, cross-ice pass. I don't know if it was a power player or what, but anyways. Um, I, when we first started this podcasting at the very beginning of the season, of this season, I, I, I confessed my undying love to Arthur Kaliev and – since I'm his daddy, I'm going to also call him out that God going pointless. He played all seven games. Granted, it was under 12 minutes a game. He went pointless. It's it's it was just I wish I wished he just played a little better. That's all. I, I just feel, you know, since we're calling guys, you know, talking about who disappointed us, who didn't do well, whatnot. Yeah, and he played on the power play too, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I would agree with you on that. That was one guy that definitely stood out as somewhat of a disappointment. I mean, he's a rookie, so right. what, how much can you expect from him? But Right. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, getting like those – the power play, I mean, just like he had that one shot. I think Kopitar gave him like a three-foot pass, yeah. and he one-timed it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Here we go. They kind of figured it out a little bit. Like just yeah. make that short pass, get a good shot on that from the guys that have a shot, Kempe or him. And, I mean, God, man, Kopitar trying to force-feed that pass to Kempe. I mean, that's such a hard play to make anyways. Like, you know, the the he's Kopitar's on the – what would be like your left point, and he's trying to pass all the way over uh, the right wing to, to yeah. Kempe. And it's like the Oilers, like – the Oilers would just leave that seam open, all of a sudden you see a stick there, and you're like – just stop. You got to find something new. So right. especially against a guy like like Smith who plays so deep in his net. Look, yeah. You know, you, that's tough. That's tough. But that's why I was saying it kind of soft in my soft voice about Kaliev because I'm he's 20 years old. 
you know, he's this he's just new to the thing and I just like I said, I my expectations weren't so high because he, he's a rookie, you know, twenty years old. But still, he does have elite shot. He I I still say there's there's an elite hockey player inside of him. I was just hoping it would come out this year. But Yeah, for sure. I mean it's the same thing with Byfield, I think, in my eyes, like you wanted more out of him, but it's not a it's not a capital D disappointment. It's a lowercase D disappointment. Like I think Blake said it. He was like, you know, we have all these guys, like we have so many guys who could still be in the OHL if they weren't on the Kings right now. Like that's how young some of these guys are. So like speaking well, of, speaking of other leagues, if uh, the Kings would have called up Ferk for game 6, would have scored in the power play, we'd be talking about round 2 right now, right boys? <laughs> I think that ship's officially sailed. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, um, yeah. no, with like Byfield and um, Velarde, you know, they got two guys ahead of them uh, you know, between Kopitar and uh, Deneau that are going to take those, you know, Deneau's maybe more in a defensive role, but those guys really are going to have to earn their ice time. So, you know, um, if they were on, you know, whoever was an awful team this year can't, think of one of the ducks um <clears throat> they were on the ducks uh you know they get you know you're gonna get a lot more ice time um you know i, I don't know like what by feel i don't nothing really ever impressed me he had like spurts or whatever velarde is unfortunately looks like a player that's not gonna be an nhl player i don't know who knows maybe he will he just does not have the legs certainly has the skill um the hands and all that stuff but um but i mean you got other people that are playing in those third and fourth line center roles that you don't necessarily need like that top end skill set you need other things for a moment i don't think either byfield or velarde really have that although i think they're playing velarde on the wing anyways but i don't think either of them had anything to offer that on the consistency, I guess, is probably the biggest issue. Like, you know, I think it's good that Byfield got a couple of playoff games and I don't think he deserved more. I don't think he did anything like to, to warrant it. And, uh, Velarde, like same thing. It's like, you've got other players that are, you know, that you can put Velarde in for Lemieux. Okay, cool. Um, Lemieux's, actually going to go rip somebody's head off if shit goes sideways so you know you yeah i don't know i'll stop rambling so velarde with athanasio's legs that'd be a good player absolutely i honestly that's all velarde's missing is he's just does not have that first or second stride like um on the wall in the zone like all those he makes them incredible plays like where he's you know barely moving standing still poke a puck from somebody that sort of thing very shifty um and uses his size well too doesn't get pushed off the puck or whatever he just doesn't have the the uh you know third fourth gear to get get him into the offensive zone or uh, on a rush or that sort of thing or just to break away from a defensive player what do you guys think about our senior citizens? Dustin Brown, Edler. I thought Brown played pretty decent. Got a little physical in a few of the games there. 
Yeah, I had a couple chances where I thought he was going to score. It came close. There's a couple chances yeah. that I thought he was going to score, and there's a couple passes he flubbed like everyone else. But I think he, you could see he stepped up that physical game. I think uh, Edler was fine for the most part. I mean, I think like all of our defensemen, you know, you're going to get torched by McDavid every once in a while. And I think we talked touched on it a little bit. I mean, I don't know if we're counting Kopitar and the elder statesman, but you guys said, like you guys said, he looked a little tired, and it's hard to, again, you're chasing around 97, like, that's where part of that like depth scoring needs to come in, and we didn't get any of that. Would any of well, you guys say that Kopitar sh- should be our number one center next year, or should he be number two or number three? Should he be three behind Dano, and then we ha- bring in a top end center? No, no. I'm thinking you should just have his ice time cut. Hey, how do you do that if he's the is it, if he's the number one center? How do you do that? We'll just distribute it more evenly throughout the other line. Just to, I, yeah. well, what I have to say about that is. He led the team in scoring again. Yeah. What the reason why the reason why he's our number one setter is because he's our number one producer, whether we like it or not. Right. But is that the reason he was super tired in the playoffs? Because he played so much in the regular season. I I don't know, but are we gonna are we gonna demote a guy to third line when he? No, he was like by far. I mean, he scored. I don't think anybody's saying that. I I don't think. I think if anything, you hope that like maybe instead of taking first or second shift on the penalty kill, he takes a third shift. Like he he's gonna get maybe you know a minute less ice time per game with a little bit less maybe his defensive responsibility since he is still our leading scorer and he's able to still produce. Maybe maybe second power play unit. Right and no, yeah, and, that's, and, and, and I'm okay with all that. I'm yeah. okay with him, but he's still, no, he's still a top tier, you know. I think it's not. more. I want somebody to step up and like Does it become the, the top scorer. You know. Does it hurt the team to make him not a penalty killer? But he's one of our. He's our top faceoff guy, second top right. faceoff guy. He he's defensive minded. He's he's an excellent penalty killer. But right. do but we when need you... him to pen... do we need him to penalty kill? No, we that'll don't. save a minute or two a game. Yeah, that and like you said, move him to the second power play unit. There's another minute. You know, and you could cut a couple minutes off of his off his time on ice, and it, it'll add up over a yeah. season. Even though he's our top goal scorer, he would not be close to top goal scorer on a lot of teams. Yeah. So we just need to score more goals. See, that's see, but that's up for argument. You're gonna you're gonna let him. You're gonna center him with. With Pasternak and Marshan, and you're going you're to tell me he's he's not going to be a top goal scorer, a point getter. He could produce as much as, as yeah. Bergeron. Hundred percent. I, I think I think it's like it's one of those things where coming into next season, I would like for them to almost kind of like what they did with Quick this season, where it's like play him a little bit less than he probably wants to. And then in the playoffs, we can ramp it up again, keep him fresh, like you know. And obviously, like things will change as the season goes. And if he plays 22 minutes a couple of games, it's not a big deal. But if he plays 20 minutes most nights, that's probably ideal. So, I don't know. I, I Plus, the other thing is, like, who are you getting as a number one center? Like, so, here's a question for you. What centers out there? And I'm, I'm, right. I'm not saying there aren't any. I'm sure there's a, a, a big list. But what centers out there uh, can center Kempe and Kempe score 35 goals in a season? Yeah, that's fair. Who knows? I mean, that's like hard to really answer because you know, 
the right. sample size of his career is so small and he's still growing. Obviously, he's a player, but I, I think like w- w- all I was trying to say, and I don't think he was disagreeing, or I think we're all kind of in agreement. He, you don't, he doesn't have to become the second or third line center, call it whatever the hell you want, just cut his ice time, spread it out more evenly. I mean, like, I think the biggest problem is like when you're playing your fourth line, like seven, eight minutes a night. Um, there's got to be more value on on that fourth line. Somebody should be able to penalty kill. Um, somebody you should be able to spread it around. I understand playing Kopitar. Big those minutes in the playoffs, um, yeah. and I'm not sure that that's necessarily a factor. Is what happened all how much he played all season. I don't know how much that actually wears on a person, but when you're playing in, in the playoffs and he, you can tell that he's legitimately tired, but at that point, that's when you, you know, you don't really have options. So I just wish there was a little bit more of an exploratory or experimental lineup uh, movement throughout the year, instead of like riding him to get to the playoffs and then, you know, not, not. I don't even know that that's necessarily what happens either. Like, that's the thing is like people bitch about this online about him being played too much and stuff. But um, if I were the coach, like you're going to go to the guys that you can rely on. But my point is, when you watch the playoffs, I mean, and even towards the end of the season, Kopitar has clearly lost a step. It's, it's sad to say that, but over this year, um, just making plays that he didn't make. Or, or not making plays that he made before and making mistakes. You know, he's such a robot that, uh, um, you know, you just expect, you know, you know, you know what you get out of him, like every shift. And, uh, yeah. When he loses that extra dynamic to create offense or to change a game, you got to look elsewhere, you know, like, yeah. I mean, and and you're hoping that like a guy like Byfield is going to grow in this offseason and he can be a third line center and so you can move Lazat down and so you have a guy who you can trust at that fourth line like you're just saying to to kill penalties and Byfield can hopefully step it up like that's exactly. the hope. So and, but. and uh, I'll get to that in a little bit but just real quick some some stats for you. Um Kopitar this year played 20 minutes 46 seconds a game time on ice. That's that's less than a minute less than he has in the past couple seasons, you know. So he, you know, he's twenty one plus minutes in the other season. So he did tick down a little bit, but when you go get a guy like Dano, Dano's way down there at eighteen oh seven. He's very capable of taking over an extra minute or two from Kopitar, and why not, you know, why not why not give it to him? But when you look at time on ice leaders for our team, it is. Dowdy, Roy, Kopitar, Anderson, Spence, Dursey. You you go through five defensemen, and Kopitar. It's a heavy workload that he did all season. It is, so, and and why not use that second power play unit every once in a while instead of doing two minute power plays with that first unit? It, it, grinds, it my adds gears, up. grinds my gears. Yeah. Yeah, and if you and if you if you have him on the penalty kill and you need him in a you know defensive zone draw, win the if you win the draw and you clear it, change it immediately. Oh, and and well, I'm also onto that. Is you take a guy like Kupari with with good speed and 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 is physical enough. You take a guy like Deneau and even Lazat. I like Lazat as a penalty killer. Those are those are three capable centers centers to 
Oh, are you penalty. forecasting a trade there? What was that? Was that like a little? No. Who's getting traded? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> so it penalty. I I think you can remove him from the penalty kill, and still be okay because we we got capable guys that can do it. I think so yeah. for sure. You're welcome, Coach. Yeah. If he's listening, that's going to be tough. I hate seeing guys get fired. Well, you think he's going to get fired? The who Sturm? Oh, yeah. Marco Sturm. Yeah. Penalty, he's the special teams coach. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought you were talking about uh, McClellan. No, he's not going. Anywhere. Which, yeah, I, I, I say, like, there's no way he's going anywhere. I mean, with the season they had, like, I have like plenty of complaints about him, but like people are like, oh, go get Barry Trotz. I'm like, come on, like, um, yeah. Again. You got to see out the last year of McClellan. If if they're the same team next year, like a competitive team and whatnot, um, I you know reevaluate from there. If they're awful next year, yeah, can are, are the Kings almost forced to fire like a Sturm, have a fall guy, as opposed to blaming the players? What do you guys think? I mean, I think you can fire Sturm in the offseason and hopefully still upgrade the players too. I mean, you can there's you know, a couple of roster spots that that could be open, especially with some of the older guys not being re-signed or retiring like Brown and Edler Mata, like there's guys we can bring in to hopefully improve both sides of our special teams. All right, so let's talk about the exit interviews. I think Blake was talking about bringing in what more toughness, uh, more size, uh, more scoring, more scoring, which is what we've been talking about all year. Yep. I mean, I, I think um, I don't know. I mean, I have. I think the the obvious candidate is the guy who I said they should have traded for last off season. If he was available, that's Forsberg. But it's going to be hard to fit him under what people project his contract to be. So that'll be fun. We'd have to make some moves, I think, to to sign him. But I just saw something. Uh, I don't know if it was a joke or not. I think I was looking at. I don't know what the hell I was looking at. But uh, like, uh, what's his name? Malkin and Latang being offered. Like, was that is that real? I think like five million over three years. Yeah, fifteen million for and three then years. Crosby was not happy about that or something. Yeah. So they might be available both. Latang and uh, Malkin. I think we're ready to have Latang on our team. Ish. Yeah, we don't need any more right D's. Yeah, I think we're, we have like six. I, I think moving forward, I think we're we stand pat defensively. Yeah, unless we're bringing in a left-handed D. But as far as yeah, we're we're really strong on the right-handed side. The other thing too is like when I don't think none of us mentioned like that you were missing Arvidsson the uh, whole series. So well, really, know. I did want to ask you guys this: if we had Arvidsson, Dowdy, and even Walker in that series, are we talking about round two right now? I, I think so. I mean, I think it's a possibility for sure. Uh, I think probably Arvidsson more than Dowdy because I think the team defensively held their own. I mean, obviously they shelled those two games, but. I think they played pretty good team defense. Yeah, Dowdy might have helped uh, potentially defensively and on the power play. And that's um, yep. power uh, play. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah arvidson also like it just gives you more depth both of them you know yeah yeah i think coach was saying when the, when the season started it was dowdy running the first power play unit walker running the second power play unit and early in the season they're both gone and it's yeah, yeah and those are things i don't even think about so you're gonna sit here and like shit on them it's like that is a variable that you know you have to you know factor in like when you're criticizing all this stuff but well, the bottom line is key's got a lot of options a lot of depth right now not initially high-end talent whatever the good thing is they have decisions to make i mean there's there's guys are that they're going to lose that might go on to be good players uh other on other teams um and that's way more than I could ask for uh, out of this season. Plus, plus all those free agents uh, earning their paychecks, uh, the three that they signed, uh, Deneau, Arvidsson, and uh, uh, Edler. All three of those guys were huge contributors this season in two of the three in the playoffs. So, yep. Future is definitely bright. Well, Part of bringing in other guys, we got to figure out what our cap situation is going to be because there are some RFAs that I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to keep. Grunstrom's an RFA. Um, obviously, Kempy's going to get a major pay pay raise. He's an RFA. Um, Brendan Lemieux's an RFA this year. Um, Mikey Anderson's an RFA. And so Sean Dursey. That's a lot. You know, yeah, they're not going to, you know, they're RFAs. They're, there's some cap issues as far as how much they can get raises and stuff like that. But that's a lot of guys that I think we want to keep. And if we're keeping them all and all of them are getting pay raises, that really, really starts messing with who we can go out and get as yeah. far as what's another about. reason to trade. I follow free up some cap space. Yeah. He does. He does, he does all the little things. Where did that get us? And by, I mean, oh, and by I the way, the By the way, too, is you um, can trade Walker, but Velarde, Leas Anderson, and Jacob Mouvrier are all RFAs. Yeah, we have a lot. Well. Like it's gonna be like we could fill out the rest of the roster and still throw guys into Ontario with how many RFAs we have. Um, wait, this is this. Is, I got a question for Rob. We're to, uh, since Rob Blake went out and said it. Hey, we we're gonna pick up toughness. What would you package, like, serious deal, would you package from the Kings to get Tom Wilson? Seriously. Whatever they want. Whatever they want. <laughs> but put it, um, put, just throw a serious little offer out there. Because what if that's who they go after? You know, veterans getting older. It might be time for them to start rebuilding right. over there. Uh, well, I mean, you could you know, throw one of Jersey Spence. Yeah, you give, I give, follow. Them, give them one of Lemieux. our defensemen. Give them one of our defensemen prospects. Give... Um, our, when I say prospects, I mean Dursey, Bjornfoot, you know, whatever. Give them a, their choice of prospect in our minors and give them a draft pick. That happens to buy a Wilson Kings jersey that day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think he already has it made, Rod. You just don't understand. Like, I actually it, wear it, It's a, in his shopping cart. I wear cart. a Los Angeles <laughs> Kings Wilson jersey. Yeah. Number it's, 43. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's like he probably had a Lucic jersey before we acquired Lucic back in the day. <laughs> People think my last name's Wilson. <laughs> are you like a cousin? Is that what it is? You guys are so good looking together. They, they think you're oh, a cousin. You're so sweet. Um, <laughs> before we go on about things, and I don't know if this is a farewell, 
But if they do end up not coming back, Edler and Mata, I know Mata had his ups and downs with, with, with the fans and whatnot. Edler and Mata played I, – I think they earned their money with, with the Kings. I thought they, they did well enough to where their contracts justified the way they played. I, and, and, you know, two bigger left-handed defensemen, you know, European, you know, Swedish Finnish. From, from the nether regions, yeah. yeah. I, I was I was very critical, obviously, of of Mata. Mata. Yeah. I thought I I made a mental note, so I'm glad you brought it up when we were watching it. He played really well in the playoffs. I think he played well down the stretch, but he, I maybe he did you know make a boneheaded error and it resulted in a goal or you know a boneheaded error or something, but. From my memory, he was pretty consistent out there and uh, doing doing well. So, um, totally agree with you. Yeah. Like like Edler, I, I thought played great the whole season. Honestly, I would bring him back. There, there's a chance that Kings keep one of them, but they're definitely not going to keep both. And here's and just just for some listeners out there that maybe don't aren't geeks enough to to really know. Whose whose contracts have expired and and all that stuff, but obviously Dustin Browns has and and he's retiring. But Andres Athanasiu, Martin Furt, T.J. Tynan, Edler Mata, I already said Troy Stetcher, who was worth the the draft pick, the two goals that he scored in the playoffs, one hundred percent worth the draft pick. Yeah. It kept us in in games, right? Um, but Austin Strand and Christian Wolanin are both mm-hmm. unrestricted as well. That, that, that's a that's a lot of defense going bye bye, and sure. I, and it's not necessarily that we need to keep some of those guys because we still have our top six. Yeah, plus we're adding Clark too potentially. We, I mean, it, well, it depends on how bad his injury was, right? This has a potential to be a very exciting off season, right? Yeah, so I, I want to say this is like I, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but this might be a very important point in the Kings rebuild because it's like. The decisions they make this year, where they spend their money, could really impact yes. if this team is going here or going to stay flat. And all those guys that I just mentioned, I I think they're good enough to go and, and find work in other organizations. They're, those are all quality For sure. quality uh, hockey players, and, and I, I wish them the best. So, Yeah, they, I mean, they, could, they showed it this season. They could definitely be your sixth, seventh, eighth defenseman and – you know, if they play forty games, they're not going to kill you. Like they're not going to, they're not going to be Kale McCarr out there, but they're they're going to be serviceable. Did you guys catch Mike Rupp today talking about the Kings? Anybody see mm-hmm. that? He's yeah, talk- he does it. He on his Twitter, he does a, an obituary for for the teams that have lost, and and so he'll run down, he'll throw out the names and all that other stuff. So he and, jumped on the Kings today, and he was like, "Look out for this team next year." He's and he's very excited about our decor too. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he was thanks, super hyped on the Kings. Thanks, Mike Rupp, but he kind of did that for all the teams. It was nothing right. special. Right. And yeah, it feels better when he does it for the Kings or yeah. anybody yeah. does. It was special because it was about the Kings this time. Right. Well, and, let's be honest. I mean, you're used to being a Kings fan over your lifetime. People is constantly shitting on. The organization until they won the Stanley Cups, and then they won the Cups, and then they kind of just went into the proverbial black hole. And so, yeah, it's good to see 
that'll get some recognition. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, other than being a layup in an AHL team. Right. Well, speaking of which, that's yeah, what I was going to talk about. That, that was like, I saw a biz, biz or whatever. That's who we were referring to. He's like, that was all this like. Uh, oh, Biz was joking. That was all. He was not joking. That was a troll. To he was because I don't he, give a I shit watched, if he I says he was. Him a week before that, and he just talk, like, was gushing about the uh, King's ability to uh, uh, draft and develop players and whatnot, which I agree with to some extent. Definitely over the last since Lombardi was GM, and I think it still continues to this day. But no, I that's I was cut off guard by at first too. But then, like when I heard him talking about it, I. I do think he was saying that just to, to troll? No, he, no. he was a hundred percent a troll because him and him and Whitney have that bet. Ah, uh, blah where, blah blah. He's, and he's he a f- said it. He said it, and then he realized he said it because he's a f- moron. You know, do, I'll do just you know what? He's a. Do you know what tongue in cheek means? It's totally what he said was totally tongue in cheek. No, it, the hell no, it wasn't. Yeah, it he's, was. He's not smart enough to be to do tongue in cheek like that. He That's sat their whole there show. and said it, and then when he realized he said it, he goes, "Ooh, I'll tell you what he's smart enough to do." Was he played it off well enough to guys like you, Darren, that are believing that he goes, "No, I was just kidding. I was yeah. just kidding." He wasn't kidding. He has. He keeps saying this team's good. This team. Good. He has no clue. Well, I'll agree with you that I don't think that he can keep his thoughts on one track. So I think that's kind of who he is, is just kind of emotional, reactive. Both of them uh, are like that. But, um, uh, yeah, I think he was kind of going in the mindset of pump the tires of the Oilers sort of thing. He He said, he said, hey, I'm just kidding. And literally 15 seconds later, he says Dallas Stars are better than the Los Angeles Kings. You can't sit there and, and say he was kidding then. He he threw another jab right there. It's like, what the? F- All right. I don't. I, I disagree, Rob, is because I don't want, watch them a ton. But um, like over the last six months, I have or this this season, I kind of when COVID, I just kind of stopped paying attention to him. But uh, he he gushes about the organization quite a bit so i don't i don't know i mean like i was kind of caught off guard when like he said that i was like like you know what an idiot but i mean at the same time when he says that like he's not like initially wrong like they're not an ahl team but the kings had a lot of unproven players that you know i mean half of our roster had zero games but see that that, that brings me to up to a point joe where especially if you're a, a former nhl player you can you can go about things so much better. If you don't want to step on toes, if you don't want to call guys out, you can be positive about the Edmonton Oilers. You can sit there and say, you know, hey, they're good this, they're good that. You don't have to sit there and say the Kings are bad. You don't have to call them an AHL team, especially well, with that's guys. the extreme though, Rob. That's why he's calling them an AHL team is the shock value of yeah. like to get him right. Shock value. He he wants well, no, he wants your control. reaction right now. That's what he yeah, wants. Exactly. That's how he gets his clicks. Is that you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like I said, I was caught off guard by it, but like well, whatever. He, he, yeah, he's he you hundred know, percent was rooting for the Kings in that series. He he was wearing the Kings jersey every time there's a Kings Oilers game. 
He was he was well. He was rooting for him because of the bet. Yeah. No, I get that. I understand all that. I understand all. He wanted them to win for the bet, not because he actually thinks the Kings are are worth a shit. But I think he's trying to say the opposite. I think he's trying to say that Edmonton couldn't even. He's got you fooled, Darren. I don't think he's got you fooled. Me as well, I guess. I don't know. I I'm not I'm not a I'm not loyal to him or you know like what he says. Like I I take it at face value. I do think he's a you know he's a meathead and he's stream of conscious, which is why I like him. Is just he'll say whatever comes creeps up into his mind. Um, but you're talking uh, talking about Rob or are you talking about Biz? I'm talking about Biz. yeah, all right. He just threw me for a loop there. So I wanted to make a joke, but I had nothing. You talking about Rob Nasty or, or Biz Nasty? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Who gives a shit? I mean, I don't. Who gives a fuck what Biz Nasty says anyway? Right, like, right. I mean, it doesn't matter. But um, I but, do, Joe. It's life. Hockey's <laughs> life. The Kings it, are it, life. It is. But the thing is, like, you're ignoring. Like, I, I've seen like countless clips over the last six months where he's like these this team this organization so he says like honestly i'm kind of surprised at your take on it because the amount that he like strokes off the king's organization for his time playing in the minors that really is where it comes from and like that's why it kind of like makes my heart warm is like he's like i want a championship in the nhl with this team and blah 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 like they're you know he says a lot of nice stuff that is coming from a place of emotion versus like uh, reality. Right. If that makes sense. Like he's, he's not being objective. He's like, Oh, the Kings do this, this, and this. Yeah. Whatever. We'll end it there. Leave it at that. But. Yeah. I, I just haven't heard all you, you're, you're saying he gushes a lot. I don't hear it a lot. I'll, I'll Maybe I don't it, listen. I'll find the clips and I'll send it to you if I can. Yep. And the RA guy, he loves the Kings. Well, because he had money on him. Well, I know, but again, <laughs> yeah. I think right, he, I think he bet his car on the Kings. <laughs> this is all fun stuff, though. Right? Yes. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. You gotta love the banter. Yeah. You know, that's what. That's why I like. That's why I like watching them. Like it's just they're right. talking about hockey, well, see, and it's just but it's see, real shit. Th- that's my whole point. Is wit. Wit talks shit about the Kings, and and I don't have a beef with with any of that because he wanted the Kings to lose, and he's all right. we're well, going to win. Played on the Ducks and the Oilers, though, right? So, exactly. So he's no so, skin in the game. Totally, one hundred percent respect that. And for someone that played in in the Kings organization, just even if you're just kidding and and have some foul words towards the organization, kidding or not, I just I just didn't think it was right. I disagree. Like, who gives a shit, right? I know. Right. You, so. Either way, he, he's winning because we just spent 10 minutes talking about him. Right? <laughs> he's a, yeah, exactly. Freaking one. We just got 10 minutes talking about a pigeon <laughs> Son muppet. Son of a... It's All called right. a troll. Hats off to Dustin Brown. Let's do that. To Dustin. Cheers. Love you. Love you, Jeff. Dustin. You're my, you're my guy. You're Brown. Always oh, my guy. All right, Kings fans. That is our show for today. And as always, go Kings, go. Go, go Kings. Kings. And Flames. And Cat and Panthers. Go Sutter. And go Sutter. Go Trevor Lewis. 
Go Former Kings. There you go, Former Kings. Yeah.